Hello and welcome to Grace in the Marketplace. My name is Tafara Butai. Did you know that God is inside Kairos moments, divine connections, favor, unmerited strength for his children, for the marketplace? I like to call all of this God's grace in the marketplace. And so on this podcast, that's what we're going to be talking about and many other subjects. Let's check out today's podcast. pray and jump straight into it father in jesus name we just thank you we give you all the praise and all the glory for yet another opportunity uh, to get together as your children and uh, just uh, get into your word and encourage each other holy spirit have your way in this meeting lead guide and direct us in everything we're gonna uh, talk about today in jesus name we pray amen and so quickly uh just a recap yesterday we discovered that uh it is god's will uh, for all of his children to prosper, uh, not just the Americans, but everybody. And uh, with that, we had a question. Uh, someone asked, I think it was Sean, he asked uh, a question yesterday around building wealth. So yesterday we established that this wealth is not just uh, for us to indulge uh, into every lustful desire. It's not for us to just go out and, and just you know, um, uh, uh, buy things and hoard things. It's not about things. It's about making a difference and uh, being used of God to be a blessing to others. That's the purpose of this prosperity. And we needed to establish that first so that we can have a solid foundation to stand on before we uh, get into the rest of the story today. So quickly, I just want to answer that question that uh, Sean uh, asked yesterday, and I'm going to answer it briefly, and then we'll jump into today's class. Uh, so he asked, how do you uh, build uh, wealth? And I'm answering it from my mentor's book. This is a gentleman called Billy Epperhart. Can you see that? This book is called Money Mastery. And Billy Epperhart is currently the CEO of uh, Andrew Womack Ministries and Caris Bible College. And this is what he said in his book, uh, Money Mastery. He said, uh, for you to build wealth, you need to focus on building uh, assets and uh, true assets. That's, what, that's how he puts it. And these true assets include uh, things like real estate, uh, profits from a business, so you can build a business. And uh, he talks about um, dividends from stock. Uh, he also talks about royalties from songs and books. Uh, he talks about interest from bonds and interest from uh, uh, CDs and so on and so forth. And so some of the ways you can build, build wealth uh, long term is to build these true assets or these kind of uh, true assets. And I remember having a conversation with him and uh, he said, uh, I want you to notice, Tavara, that I didn't put in their pyramid schemes. <laughs> and so that's not a valid way of creating uh, wealth because ultimately you want to impact people's lives. You want to serve your community uh, while you are creating wealth. It's not just about making money. That's not what it's, it's just about. It's about uh, changing people's lives and then you, you get to make a profit while you are doing that. And so the, you, you begin to build true assets. Uh, in my case, God gave me this book, Grace in the Marketplace, and this book has opened so many doors of opportunities for me. Just two months ago, uh, we were in Denver, Colorado, where I was ministering um, at a big conference there. 600 business people from all over uh, the U.S. came in and um, 
uh, uh, got to minister there and uh, made several thousand U.S. dollars from uh, the book that God gave me. And so I look at that as an asset that God gave me. Uh, how did I make that money? Through honorariums and through uh, selling books and materials around this book. Believe it or not, uh, there are some people out there who pay big bucks for the, these classes that we are, uh, are doing right now. So these are some of the ways that God will, will empower you to go out into the marketplace and and uh, build uh, wealth. But today we're looking at creativity. And so back to our foundational scripture, which is uh, Genesis chapter number 1, verse 26 to 28. And I'm reading from the um, Message Bible. And this is what it says. It says, God spoke and said, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature so that they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, and the cattle, and yes, the earth itself. And every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings. He created them God-like, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. God blessed them. Open inverted commas. The first thing God said to mankind was prosper. The second thing God said to mankind was reproduce. So if you're reading in the Message Bible and cross-referencing, uh, what I'm reading, you would see these two words next to each other. So yesterday we talked about how God wants his children to prosper. And the second thing God said to them was reproduce. And I want to submit to you, brothers and sisters, that this word reproduce is not just limited to procreation. Uh, this word reproduce uh, spans across the entire plan of God. How many of you realize that God could have planted the entire earth, you know, during the six days that he worked? Uh, he has enough power uh, to plant the entire earth, but God did not want to plant the entire earth. He wanted to uh, just plant a garden and give it to Adam as a prototype, as a, as a sample. Ask Adam to do the planting because God is looking for co-laborers. God wanted it to do it uh, with Adam. He didn't want to do it. I mean, God could have planted the entire universe, not just the earth. He could have planted uh, every planet there is out there. He's got enough power to do so, but God wanted to do it in his own wisdom. He chose to do it uh, with, with mankind. And here's what's awesome is that what started in Genesis as a garden, we know that it ends in the book of Revelations as a high-tech city uh, with 12 foundations and all of them made out of precious stone. And God had already deposited all of the creativity and all the ingenuity and ability in mankind to move it from the garden all the way to the city that we see in the book of Revelations. And so God has deposited creativity in his children. He has deposited ability. And this is what we call grace in the marketplace. Grace in the marketplace is, uh, is God enabling his children to be able to go out into the marketplace and uh, take the seed form ideas that he gives to them and make them international. So I want to submit to you, brothers and sisters, that every idea you're going to get from God will come to you in seed form. In, I mean, it would be awesome for us to just get these ideas fully formed. I mean, for you to just inherit a business uh, and all the top executives uh, act right and they all listen to you and you just, you know, inherit this business. But that's not how things work with God. When God blesses his children, he always uh, gives it to them in seed form. And the reason is because the seed form uh, 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 um, technology is, is loaded with infinite potential. And uh, the other reason is because uh, God wants to co-labor with you as you 
put your creativity and ability uh, uh, to use and literally just work with you to grow this thing. That's why the Bible says in uh, Zechariah 4, uh, verse 10, if I was back home, I'd say Zachariah. <laughs> in Zechariah 4, verse 10, it says, do not despise the days of small beginnings. Why? Because everything with God starts in seed form. This may discourage some, uh, but I think it should encourage you because uh, you can learn from the little how to be faithful uh, so that God can entrust you uh, with the much. And so we see here that God has already deposited uh, into uh, Adam primarily and ultimately you and I uh, the creativity that we need to go into the marketplace and uh, make a difference. What are those scriptures? Some of you may ask. Let's go quickly to Isaiah 45. Isaiah chapter number 45, and I'm going to be reading from verse 1 in the King James Bible, Isaiah 45, uh, verse 1. By the way, I'm teaching from this book here, Grace in the Marketplace. This is a book that I authored, and for the duration of the lockdown, we're going to be giving this book away for free. So you can send an email to admin at faithillchurch.co.za, and they'll be able to give you uh, this, a copy of the ebook, and you can read the rest of the story. We are recording these teachings because I'm going to use some of these teachings uh, on my products uh, table when I travel overseas and so on and so forth. So just to let everyone know that we're going to be recording uh, some of these uh, teachings. And so Isaiah 45, and I'm reading from verse 1. And this is what it says in uh, verse 1. It says, Thus says the Lord to his anointed Cyrus. Now Cyrus was a secular king. He was not born again like you and I. And this is what the Lord said to Cyrus, uh, a secular king, whose right hand I have holden and uh, to subdue the nations before him. I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two levered gates and the gates shall not be shut. And he goes on to say something very interesting in uh, in verse 2, and before I read verse 2, uh, just a brief preview is that Cyrus was standing outside uh, on the periphery of uh, Babylon and he was looking on to this great city. Babylon was the most advanced city of, of, of this time. And he's standing on the periphery looking at this city uh, of Babylon and he's almost intimidated by the technology that he sees in this city. I mean, Babylon had all the irrigation, the, the trade, in fact, uh, trade as we know it was invented in Babylon, you know, free trade uh, where the, the, the market forces of supply and demand determine uh, the value of a commodity. All of that was uh, uh, invented in Babylon. So King Cyrus is standing on the periphery and he's intimidated by what he sees uh, uh, happening in Babylon. And the Lord said something really peculiar here. He says in verse 2, I will go before you or before thee in the King James and make crooked paths straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. Unlike the first part of that promise, God says, I'm going to go before you, uh, uh, Cyrus, and here's what I'm going to do. I almost forgot I'm left-handed here. He said, I'm going to make every crooked path straight. So this is what's happening. Uh, crooked path, point A to get to point B. This is what a crooked path looks like. And then you get to point B. And God is saying, I'm going to change this and I'm going to make it straight. You're going to move 
from point A to point uh, B in a straight line. And uh, we know the famous quote that says the shortest distance, and this quote, by the way, uh, was created by Tafara Butai, the man you're looking at right now. <laughs> it says that um, uh, the shortest distance between any two points is innovation. I know you were going to say a straight line. Nope. It's innovation. You heard it here, folks. First, you heard it here. <laughs> it says the shortest distance between any two points is a straight line. So essentially what God was saying to uh, Cyrus, the secular king, was, I know you're intimidated by the technology that you're looking at at Babylon, but I'm about to give you something better. I'm about to give you a straight line. I'm about to give you innovation. And this is God giving this promise of innovation to a secular king. Now, if God gave this promise to a secular king, I can assure you he means the same. He has the same heart for you and I who are his children. Why? Because we know that Acts chapter number 10, 34 says that God is not a respecter of persons. In other words, God does not show partiality. He doesn't show favoritism. What he has given to another, he will certainly give to another. And so God says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you something better. I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you a straight line between two points. Did you know that a straight line between two points uh, uh, to travel between Jobek and Cape Town used to be getting on a an ox or an animal drawn cart, and it would usually take about two weeks. That was the straight line of the day. You know, that was the quickest way to get from Jobek to Cape Town. But when God looks at that, he always sees a crooked path and God has a better way of doing things. And the better way beyond that was a four-stroke engine, also known as a car, a motor vehicle. And this is what Henry Ford said when he, you know, finally covered uh, uh, a four-stroke engine and how to make a motor vehicle as we know it. He said, I didn't ask mankind. I didn't inquire from mankind because if I had asked men, Man would have said, you know, what we want is faster horses. So he went and inquired from the Lord. And we, we're going to discover through scripture that the Holy Spirit is the one that reveals these creative ideas uh, to us. So the shortest difference in two points, uh, brothers and sisters, is innovation. And God has uh, uh, the power to make every crooked path straight uh, with regards to what he has called you to do in the marketplace. I know your business may be thriving right now and uh, you are at a point where you are excelling and uh, you are doing things better than your competitors and so on and so forth. Man, I'm here to announce to you that there is even a straighter path than what you're doing right now. And God has a promise for you. And when you sit down and you ask him and you inquire of him, man, he's going to reveal these things uh, to you. So quickly, let's go to John uh, chapter number 16. And I'm going to read from verse 13. John chapter number 16. I'm, I'm going to read from verse uh, 13. This is Jesus speaking, and this is what Jesus said. He said in John 16, 13, How be it when the Spirit of truth, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, how be it when the Spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he also speak. And then this is my favorite part in this verse. He says that he shall show you things to come. Man, that's powerful. <laughs> I find it interesting that every time I read this verse to religious people and I show them through scripture that, yeah, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will show them things to come. 
they usually immediately think that he's talking about the Holy Spirit will show you things to come with regards to uh, eschatology or the study of the end times. You know, the Holy Spirit is going to show us things to come. He's going to show us who the Antichrist is. He's going to show us who the 666 uh, is and so on and so forth. But I want to submit to you, brothers and sisters, that the, when he says the Holy Spirit will show you things to come, uh, 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 it's also with, the, with regards to uh, new inventions. It's also with regards to insight. It's also with regards to innovation and the future and a better way to do things in the future. A lot of Christians, a lot of religious Christians sincerely don't believe that God can work a spreadsheet. They don't believe that God can use a MacBook. They don't believe that God can go in the marketplace and help them because they honestly believe he's the ancient of days. You know, God is just, you know, <laughs> he can work a, a, a spreadsheet. But I want to submit to you that God, God knew about technology way before we started life. He knew about technology in the Garden of Eden, God knew about aviation and flying. I mean, he, he knew about it. He wasn't surprised when we finally discovered we could cooperate with the laws of uh, gravity, the law of drag, and the law of lift to uh, uh, lift up an aluminum tube and fly from a, point A to point B. God wasn't surprised. I mean, God knew about all of these things before the beginning of time. He was just waiting for his children to discover these things so that they can bring them into manifestation. God was not surprised when we finally discovered the internet. God knew about it way back in the beginning of time. I'm telling you, Daniel could have sent an email to King Nebuchadnezzar and said, we are not bowing. <laughs> kind regards, Daniel. He could, have, he could have sent an email. I mean, the disciples could have been sending emails one to another and it would not have changed the story of redemption. Amen. It wouldn't have changed the story of Jesus coming into the earth and dying for you. Not one bit. So God has stored up these secrets. If you continue reading in um, uh, Isaiah 45 verse 3, it says, God says to uh, Cyrus, I'm going to give you uh, the wealth, the secrets, the secret wealth of the dark places. And he's talking about innovation. And he tells him why he's doing it. He says, I'm going to do it for the sake of my servant Jacob and also uh, my elect uh, Israel. And so God, I mean, the Holy Spirit is not just for goosebumps. The Holy Spirit is not just for making you feel good in a worship service. You know, when you sing the fast songs and you get into the slow ones, you start feeling dizzy and the pastor comes and lays hands on you and, and, and touch, you know, and you fall on the ground. No, yeah, you, that can happen. But the Holy Spirit wants to do more than that. The Holy Spirit wants to go with you in the marketplace and be your biggest partner. The Holy Spirit wants to be the one that you listen to. And when you start listening to the Holy Spirit, it's amazing uh, the things that he will reveal to you. I mean, when I started writing this book in 2016, uh, uh, the things that the Lord led me to put in this book, I had never heard anyone teach like this. In fact, I have friends who uh, teach from Isaiah 45. In fact, we were speaking at the same conference with uh, Lance Wall now uh, two months ago. And he, when he teaches Isaiah 45, he refers it to the 45th president of America. But when I teach Isaiah 45, I refer it to 
uh, technology and innovation, that's what God showed me. And usually when I teach it, you know, people receive it as, man, this is interesting. I'd never seen it from that perspective. Neither had I until the Holy Spirit revealed it to me. So the Holy Spirit is here to reveal hidden secrets uh, to, to God's children. And when we start cooperating with him, when we start partnering with him, when we start listening to him and let him show us these things, he will make us look good. There was a gentleman in the South in the U.S. called George Washington Carver back, uh, back in the slavery days. He was a black guy. He didn't even let that limit him. He would go into a room with a blank piece of paper and he would open up his heart, open up his mind to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, show me. And the Holy Spirit showed him over 300 products that he made from a peanut. Go and Google it. It's an amazing story. I mean, George Washington Carver, he single-handedly liberated the economy of the South, came up with 300 products from a peanut, from, you know, protein uh, powders to uh, uh, face powders to uh, all kinds of uh, 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 supplements that he came up with uh, from 300 uh, from a peanut, 300 products. <laughs> and here we are, you know, calling our salaries peanuts, where God can do amazing things with a peanut. My point is, we need to be listening to the Holy Spirit. We need to be asking Him to show us uh, the future trends. Uh, brothers and sisters, let me tell you this, and I mean this from my heart, this is not to criticize, but we are way past the, uh, the information age. You know, we are way past... Uh, the age of, of, of just collecting information and becoming a data center. You know, back when I studied, I mean, whoever knew how many uh, meters were in a kilometer was the king of, the, of the, play, the playground. I mean, we would all circle around them and ask them, so what is uh, Wagadugu, the capital city of, and they would just dish out information, and they were the king of the cars. I mean, they would get paid big bucks for having information. But today, I don't need to store up all that information. You know why? I can ask Siri, hey Siri, <laughs> how much meters are in a, a kilometer? And Siri will give it to me. I don't need to store up. So what are we in? We're in the age of insight. We're in the age of uh, 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 receiving uh, something that is beyond uh, just data, just numbers and, and, and co a collection of information that is sometimes just you know, kind of useless. We're in the age of insight. We're in the age where, you know, you have to see something that is beyond uh, uh, the physical realm, something that, you know, something that is beyond what men uh, are looking at. We need to start coming up with uh, solutions uh, that are creative, solutions that are full of insight. And what a better, there's no better time to be positioned as a child of God than right now because we have the Holy Spirit and He is the one who will give to us all of the insight. Man, in this generation, copy and paste will not cut it. You can't just look at what your neighbor is doing and you know what's making money these days and you want to do the same things. Man, you're going to be limited. You have to position yourself in a place where you are ready to listen to the Holy Spirit. And as he shows you this, these truths and these things, man, as you go into the marketplace, and uh, 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 you provide solutions and you uh, are minister led by the Holy Spirit. You run your business led by the Holy Spirit as the uh, biggest partner. 
man, I, you can't be stopped. Uh, I was in Los Angeles uh, a few months ago, and we were hosting a Grace in the Marketplace similar to this, but in physical uh, form. And uh, this was in, uh, in uh, uh, Los Angeles, in Hollywood, for the uh, actors and the musicians and the artists. And there was a gentleman who was speaking with us. His name is Derek Luke, and he's known for... He's famous for a movie that he did called uh, Antoine Fisher, I think. That's the name of the movie. Or the character that he plays in Antoine Fisher uh, with Denzel Washington. And he was one of the speakers. And one of the things that he said after I finished speaking was, now you've answered me. Uh, I've always wondered how I got the scene uh, that won me an award in Antoine Fisher because I thought it was mystic. I thought it was mysticism. And what had happened was, while he was getting ready to go on set to act out this scene, because all they give you is a paper with a scene. Uh, you have to be creative. You have to find some creative juices somewhere and act it out. So they're not going to show you how to act out this scene. They're just going to give you a paper with how, uh, the words that they want you to, or how they want the scene to flow. And he says while he was sleeping that night, the Holy Spirit showed him exactly how he was going to get on set and act out this scene. And when he did it, according to the Holy Spirit, Denzel Washington walked up to him and he said to, to him, how come you didn't tell me you were experienced in acting? And he turned around and he said, no, this is my first job, <laughs> you know. And he said, man, this was so good. And he said, well, I don't know what happened until we started showing them that the Holy Spirit is not just for within the four walls of the church. He said to me, Tafara, You've answered my question. It was the Holy Spirit that gave me that scene straight from heaven. I saw it the night before while I was sleeping. And I went and I acted it out the way I had seen it in the spiritual realm. And this scene won him an award. I'm not sure what award he won, but we actually played uh, the award uh, ceremony at my conference uh, last year as we were welcoming him. So it's 30 past one. And it's the end of our class. Man, I could go on talking about creativity, but uh, we want to try and stick to time because there are some people who are just taking uh, some of this time to, to be with us uh, on this call. And uh, we need to respect their time so that they can get back to work. So we're going to jump straight into the questions if we have any questions uh, today. Just a reminder... Uh, the book, Grace in the Marketplace, is available for you for free. Uh, just send an email to admin at faithillchurch.co.za to hear uh, 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 an in-depth analysis of some of the things that we were talking about. I wish I could have gone to Jacob and show you how through uh, creativity was able to negotiate stakeholding. You can go and read that story in Genesis. I'm, I'm going to ask for animals with spotted uh, with spots on them and stripes on them. And what he would do is that he would take branches from a tree and create uh, 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 lines and spotted things when the animals were mating. It was a technology straight out of heaven. The Holy Spirit showed him how to do it. And all the strong animals started producing uh, after that technology. I have a question here quickly uh, that says, what are the best ways to hear uh, from the Holy Spirit? I think the best ways to hear from the Holy Spirit is to uh, uh, meditate, you know, in God's word, 
Uh, I know as charismatics, as uh, you know, people who like to, to pray out loud, most of us at least on this call that I know, we like to bind and loose, we like to talk when it's prayer time. There's also a place for us to be quiet and sit and be silent and listen to the Holy Spirit and let Him speak to us, uh, speak to our hearts. And uh, I think in prayer we should be doing more listening than talking honestly. You know, and I think we can go far if we did that. So I think, you know, to meditate God's word, uh, uh, take some time every single day and, and do not be in such a rush. I know when you live in Johannesburg, man, it's go, go, go. You wake up at five, you go for a run, you're back, you wash by about five past five. At least if it's me, I take five minute showers. <laughs> You're on the you're in the car and you get in the car and you're already listening to the radio. You, man, it's just noise, 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 and you're in traffic. You get to work, there's action. You come back home, you switch on the television. There's just action. There's noise going on all the time. And sometimes we just need to take a back seat, sit down, relax, and uh, say, Holy Spirit, show me how I should navigate uh, my business. How I should navigate the. Uh, this course um, that I'm on with regards to my assignment and, you know, the things that you have called me to do. And uh, do we have, uh, do we have any other question here? I think I saw one from Karen. Um, okay, there it is. As you begin to receive witty ideas, how do you differentiate what your ideas are and what God's uh, uh, ideas are. I'd like to believe that's the, the question. Uh, the Bible, uh, there's a scripture in Psalm 34, I believe, verse 7, that says, delight yourself in the Lord. That's your part. When you delight yourself in the Lord, uh, scripture answers, or it gives us the second part of that verse. It says, God will give you the desires of your heart. In other words, when you start delighting yourself in the Lord, your desires come directly from God. You will all of a sudden start to have a, a different desire for, for, for a new path, a different desire for, for a, a, a different calling if God is calling you to a different calling, a different desire for a, a different city if God is calling you to a different city and so on and so forth. So I believe that your desires and God's desires can be one if you choose to delight yourself uh, in the Lord. Amen. And I think that's just about it with regards to the questions that we had uh, today. So I'm going to hand over back to uh, Benjamin and he's going to help us close this session unless we have any more questions. Oh, there's more. One more question. It says, how do you put the witty ideas from God uh, into practice? Uh, I think I can share my story on this one. When God began to speak to me about grace in the marketplace, it was vivid. It was clear that the Lord was speaking to me and he was asking me to uh, write this book. And um, I had already written four other books. And when the Lord spoke to me and he said, you know, Tafara, I want you to read this book and teach along these lines. I went and I told my wife, I said, the Lord just said to me, he wants me to write this book, Grace in the Marketplace, and he's going to give me what to write. And he is going to, um, you know, open doors for me through this book. And my wife said, so then why don't you write it? And I said to her, you know what? Uh, why doesn't God use all the other four books that I've already written? <laughs> 
So I didn't obey immediately. I mean, I was dragging my feet because writing a book is hard work. I mean, it's, it's tough. You have to go back and forth with your editors. And my particular editor is a retired teacher. So she's very strict. She lives in Pretoria. And I mean, it's back and forth for about 12 times before I published the book. So, you know, I was looking at the work and thinking, man, I, you know, I'm not sure I should be doing, I should be writing another book in this season. We just had another child and, you know, I'm dragging my feet. But the Lord had already told me, Tafara, I need you to write this book. I need you to start training uh, my, my children uh, around marketplace and for them to realize that uh, uh, they have to uh, look at influencing and impacting uh, cities and transforming nations through what they do Monday through Friday, not just uh, what they do on Sunday, Sunday morning. And so finally, uh, I wrote the book and uh, lo and behold, it's the book that has opened more doors of opportunities for me internationally, world over. It's the book that has sold many copies uh, than my actual favorite. My favorite book out of all the books I've written is Living Life to the Fullest. Man, I'm connected to that book at a hard level, but God chose to use this one <laughs> to reach the world. And, you know, um, uh, who am I to, 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 to uh, question God? So my answer to that is when God shows you something and he says, go for it, just do it. I think Nike, you know, have a motto that says, just do it. So just do it. When God says, do it just just get to do it and i think that there will be a blessing beyond your obedience uh the next question here is how do you operate in god's will in the midst of a corrupt system man we see so many examples this is a very good question because i think you know our, our continent is plagued with uh corruption and i think this is a very good question but the bible has so many different stories of people uh who had to operate in a corrupt system uh, we see uh, the story of Daniel, uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They chose to uh, stick with God in the midst of all the corrupt leaders and all the pressure to bow down to uh, an idol worship. They chose to stand in the integrity of God, and God fought for them, and they were still promoted. Uh, Joseph chose to stand in God's integrity. Joseph was sold uh, by his brothers as, as a slave, and he went into Potiphar's house. He was falsely accused. And I like Joseph's attitude through all of this. He doesn't become bitter. He doesn't become uh, 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 salty. I mean, he continues to stand in, in, in the will of God. He continues to, to be Joseph, and even in promotion. You remember when Joseph was uh, promoted uh, eventually to become uh, second in charge, from that day that he was promoted to become second in charge, it took several years until he saw uh, the dream uh, that God had showed him come to, to fruition or come to manifestation. And yet he had enough power to bring it to manifestation uh, through the power that he had been given. I mean, think about it. God, uh, Joseph had seen his brothers bowing down to him. And the very day that he became second in charge, he could have said to Pharaoh, Hey, Pharaoh, can I just have about 50 soldiers? There's a small piece of work I need to take care of. He could have taken the soldiers to his uh, house that he grew up and called all his brothers to come out. And he would have said, Okay, boys, we're going to make that dream happen today. Who's not bowing? 
and all of his brothers would have bowed by force. He could have made things happen in his own strength, but Joseph doesn't. He waits on the Lord to make things happen. So when you wait on the Lord, man, God in his time will defend you. He'll protect you. Just stand in the integrity of the word and God will do it for you. Amen. Because whatever you get through corruption, you're going to have to be more corrupt to keep it. But whatever you get through honesty, there's list, uh, a very uh, 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 least amount of work in that area that you will uh, need to do. So you won't need any corruption. Okay, here's the last question. We only have one more minute before we uh, shut the class down. Uh, what do you find are some of the things we should be wary of when we are sitting still and hearing from God and starting to have desires? Uh, what were some of the things you learned through your process of receiving grace in the marketplace? So uh, I think one of the things we should be wary of is that this is not a get-rich-quick scheme. You know, uh, God sometimes will show you dreams and desires that will take uh, years upon years to come into manifestation, but we shouldn't be in such a hurry to see uh, things come to pass. Don't be so obsessed with the destination. Just enjoy the journey. I mean, in the first year of writing Grace in the Marketplace, I didn't get a single invite. In 2020, uh, we were scheduled to go all over the world uh, and just teach uh, Grace in the Marketplace. So waiting on the Lord to do the opening uh, of doors uh, is going to be very important. And tomorrow we're going to be talking about supernatural growth and acceleration uh, in your business and in your assignment. 